Well, often nowadays, as one looks for a new job, they aren't just looking at what it pays. Obviously, a competitive wage is important, but there's something just as important which can hit the bottom line of one's pay pretty hard as well. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the benefits. Just as important as to what the pay is for the job, what are the benefits included with the job? Medical and dental, disability, life insurance, paid vacations, holidays, sick days, retirement. When one gets a new job, one of the important questions to ask is, what are the bennies? Well, one website wrote, your people are the crucial system underpinning your organization's ability to grow and thrive. So how crucial are employee benefits to achieving your company's goals and objectives? They are extremely important. Offering benefits to your employees is important because it shows them you are invested not only in their overall health, but their future. A solid employee benefits package can help attract and retain talent. Benefits can help you differentiate your business from competitors. Employee benefits are an important part of attracting and retaining good employees. Benefits. Have you ever thought about the benefits of faith? Have you ever thought about the benefits of being a follower of Christ? Of course, one of the greatest benefits of our faith overall is the salvation of our souls, is eternal life, is the assurance we have because of what Jesus has done, that as we breathe our last breath here on earth, we take our first breath of celestial air in heaven. But the benefits of faith aren't just for the future. They're not just for someday out there. They are now. They are real. They are today. The benefits of being a Christian aren't just in the eternal by and by, but they're in the temporal now and now. This isn't just a New Testament thought. Psalm 103, 1 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your disease, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Folks, there is an incredible benefit package that comes with being a true follower of Christ. Now, through the first four chapters of Romans, Paul has been going over and over and over, teaching and illustrating to both Jew and Gentile, that justification is by faith alone. We're sinners, unable to save ourselves, solely deserving the just wages of our sin, death and separation from God. But God justified us. He saved us. He declared us righteous by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's not by religious works. It's not by religious rituals. It's not by religious rules. Nothing in us, nothing merits our salvation. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Paul 
has been crystal clear. Well, now we come to the beginning of chapter 5. Now we come to this amazing passage that starts to detail for us the so what. So what are the benefits? What's the benefit package that comes with pledging our allegiance to Christ and his will? Romans 5, 1 through 11 gives us many. What's the benefit package? Peace and access to God and strength and grace and rejoicing and hope and proven character and more hope and love and the Holy Spirit and more love to be saved and kept and joy and reconciliation. These are some of the key words that describe the benefit package of faith here described in Romans chapter 5. So open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 5 and follow along as I read verses 1 through 11 and then listen for these key words. Look for the benefits. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts with the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Father, now we have read your word, and we have a simple prayer. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to illumine your word, to pull the truth off that page, and put it into our hearts and lives and minds, so we might know it, and love it, and live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Right there in verse 1, therefore, Therefore, is one of those transition words, right, that reminds us to look back, to reflect back at, at what had just been said. So look exactly how, how Paul follows up right after the therefore. He tells us what to remember. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. What's one of the first things you notice about this phrase? Do you see that it's written in the past tense? Since we have been justified by faith. You see, justification by faith happens at a singular point in time. 
Justification is not gained over time. Justification is not earned over a period of time. Salvation doesn't happen as a process over time, but at a point in time. So certain of it being fully accomplished, Paul speaks of it in the past tense as done. Since we have been, since we have already been justified. Since we've been declared righteous, credited with Christ's righteousness, and Christ credited with our sin. Since God has conferred on us the status of saved, of justified, because of the amazing work of God in redeeming us through Jesus Christ. Since we stand in grace, forgiven, we have, it says, the scripture says, we have, since we've been justified, past tense, We have present tense. You see, our justification, our salvation is giving us right now in our lives real and immediate benefits we have. Paul is saying in light of the truth of our justification, here are the present realities that our salvation brings. I've broken down this passage to at least seven benefits of our justification. First is peace with God. Verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, these words are specific and important. Look closely at what is being said. What kind of peace is Paul talking about? Notice he said we have peace with God, not the peace of God. The focus here is on the objective truth that justification brings us peace with God, not on a subjective experience of peace. The peace of God, like we're taught in Philippians 4, 7, says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is a calm and satisfied heart in the midst of life's struggle and pressures. The peace of God is peace with regard to the cares of the world around us. It is subjective. But peace with God means that the state of hostilities between God and us is now over. Peace with God is peace in regard to God. It is objective. It is something we have whether we feel like it or not. So why do we need peace With God. We'll look at our passage today. We are described in our passage today our status before our salvation in four ways. In verse 6, it says we are weak and ungodly. Verse 8, it says we're sinners. In verse 10, it says we're enemies. See, before our salvation, we're weak, ungodly sinners and enemies of God. We're weak. We can't change or earn our own status, you know, with God in our own power. We're ungodly. Our actions are the opposite of God's. We're sinners. Our attitude is focused on us. Selfishness rules our hearts. That's the middle letter of the word sin is I. The great definition of sin is all about me. We're enemies 
before our salvation. We're opposed to God's rule in our lives. We reject him. We refuse him. We deny him. We oppose him. And his just judgment, his just wrath rests squarely on our sin. Our weakness, our ungodliness, our sinfulness, our opposition to God has separated us from God. What do we need with God? We need peace with God. We need a reconciled relationship with God. See, the first great benefit of having been justified by faith is that we have peace with God through Jesus and all that he's done for us. We have peace with God through what Jesus did, as the previous verse says right there in Romans 4.25, where Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised to life for our justification. Colossians 1.19 and 20 puts this truth this way. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We have peace with God through Christ by his blood on the cross. It is through Jesus and only through Jesus that we can have peace with God. It is only through Jesus that our status of enemy and and opposition to God can be changed. From enemy to child. From foe to family. From standing under the wrath of God to standing in the grace of God. One commentator wrote, Paul speaks of peace with God not the peace of God, that the justified are no longer enemies of God, but are now at peace with him. The inward peace that follows is very important, but it's not what's primarily taught here. The justified person is no longer tormented by questions of his relationship with God arising from the fact that he's a sinner. Sinner though he is, he is at peace with God because of what God has done for him. I love that thought. I love that quote. When God made peace with us through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have entered into a state of peace with God. And because we are in this status, this state, this realm of peace with God, we should no longer be tormented by questions about our relationship with God. The anguish of our soul's deepest question has been answered forever. Sinner though we continue to be, we are at peace with God because we've been justified, saved by Jesus. See, the awesome awareness of our peace with God gives us confidence that we're forever secured in Christ because it's all about Christ. It's all about what he has done. Since Christ through his blood on the cross, since Christ through his death for our sins, since Christ through his resurrection bringing us new life, since Christ has brought us peace with God, we are eternally secure in Christ. The confidence we have in all that Christ has done for us transforms our thinking from focusing on us and our goodness, and on our merit, to focusing on Christ and his glory, and serving and loving him. 
as true followers of Christ, we are convinced, just as Romans 8 ends, saying nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have peace. And the only way to ever have the peace of God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, the only way to have that peace reigning and ruling in our hearts and minds is to first have peace with God and to rest in that peace, that relationship, that status of friend, of family, that peace, that reconciliation brings. Oh, how our world longs for peace. Oh, how our human soul longs for peace. Beloved, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have it. It's ours. Given to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus is our peace. Oh, how great the benefit we have of peace with God. It's the very foundation and the very spring that gushes forth to give us the peace of God. No more anguish or tormented soul. We have peace. Christian, are you living in that peace? In that reality? Are you resting in it? Are you relishing in it? Are you rejoicing in it? If you're not a follower of Christ here today... Peace with God is offered to you through Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, the life, the peace. Today you can go from anguish of soul to peace with God. Today you can go from wrath for your sin to reconciliation in the family of God. Today you can go from enemy and opposition to God the family and child of God. Well, the next benefit Christians have because they've been justified by faith is access. Verse 2 says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. What an amazing benefit of faith. Through Jesus we have access. This word access carries with it the idea of introduction. It it has a sense of formality, like a person being brought to be introduced before a king. All three times this word is used in the New Testament, it carries the idea of a believer's access to God through Jesus Christ. So think about this. Think about this benefit. We have access to God. Jesus has figuratively taken our hand, He's led us into the throne room of God, and he's introduced us to the king of kings. Through Jesus, we've obtained access to God. As Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How can we draw near to the throne of grace with confidence? Because Jesus has introduced us to the king. Because Jesus has given us access. The veil of access to the most holy place in the temple 
has been torn in two. Through Christ, we have direct access to God. Hebrews 10, 19-22 put it this way. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near access with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We can have confidence to enter in the very holy places of God because of the blood of Jesus. The word access in the Greek is in the perfect tense. So what does that mean? It denotes a present state based on a past action. It is a completed action in the past with continuing results in the present. At one point, believers go from no access to access. At one point, we are introduced by Christ to God. And from that point, we have the continual access to God. Because of Christ, we have continual, unending access to the King of Kings. What an amazing, marvelous benefit. But it's not just that we have access by faith into this grace. No, it says there in verse 2, we stand in it. We're standing in this grace. One wrote, we have taken our firm stand in this grace with which we have been introduced. Justified believers enjoy a blessing far greater than a periodic approach to God or an occasional audience with the king. We are privileged to live in the temple, to live in the palace. Our relationship with God into which justification has brought us is not sporadic, but continuous. Not precarious, but secure. We do not fall in and out of grace like courtiers who find themselves in and out of favor with their king. No, we stand in grace for that is the nature of grace. See, this word stand carries with it the same tense as the word access. We at one point are made to stand by Christ in his grace. And from that point on, we continue to stand in his grace, immovable. We continue to stand firm, planted in grace. In Christ, we're ushered into the royal throne room. And there we stand, and there we remain. Wherever we go in the world, we're always standing firm, in the heavenly throne room of God. Ephesians 2, 6 says that we are seated with God in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The spiritual reality of our lives is lived out in the palace of our king. That is where we have access. That is where we stand. That is where we dwell. Think for a moment about the implications of this amazing benefit. We have continual Direct access to God through Jesus Christ. We have a permanent, immovable standing in grace before God. Amazing. 
obviously one of the implications again is to the secure salvation we've been given in Christ. But there's more here than that. This is relational. This is relationship access. This is conversation access. This is acceptance. Perhaps you've never heard of the name Stanley Tretek. But many of you, at least if you're old enough, know something that he did. On October 1963, he took one of the most iconic, most famous American pictures ever taken. He took a picture of a child under a desk where his dad was working. He took a picture of John Jr. peeking out from under the resolute desk in the Oval Office with his dad, President John F. Kennedy, working above. Access. That's a great illustration of our access. That's a great illustration of our permanent standing with God. That's a great illustration of as a child of God with full and continual access to God. That's the implication of our access. It's real. It's relationship. It's free conversation. It's welcoming. It's total acceptance. That's the level of closeness through Christ and access in the grace that we stand. Is that the level of closeness that you have with God? You have been given access to God. Is that where you dwell? Maybe today you need to break off from your heart what is hindering you from going all in, full in, access to God. Oh, beloved, we have peace with God. Beloved, we have continual access to God. And we stand secure, forever welcomed in his grace. The next benefit of faith in our passage is hope. Look at the end of verse 2. It says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hope. There's an anonymous quote that goes, man can live 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but not one second without hope. Guess what we have? Guess what benefit we've been given in Jesus Christ? Hope. We have hope. Since we've been justified by faith, We have hope, real, substantive, enduring hope. And Christian hope is not uncertain like the ordinary, everyday hopes. No, Christian hope is a joyful and confident expectation which rests on the promises of God. Biblical hope is not the prospect of what might happen, but the prospect of what is already guaranteed. Whereas earthly hope implies doubt, biblical hope implies certainty. Hope is expectation. Hope is anticipation. Our hope is real because our hope rests on the word of God and the character of God. Look at the verb. Look at the action of our hope. Our verse today says, we rejoice in hope. But this word rejoice is not the typical word used for rejoice. 
the root word meaning here is actually boast. Some translations say we boast in hope or we exalt in hope or we glory in hope. It carries with it the full expression of the feelings of of both confidence and joy. You see, we boast in hope because of our full confidence in the expectation of hope. And we rejoice in hope because of the full joy of the expectation of hope. We could say that as Christians, we confidently rejoice in our hope. We joyfully boast in the certainty of our hope. We delight in the glory of our hope. We exalt in the surety of our hope. Beloved, this type of hope isn't anything that the world can offer ever at all. This amazing hope is only available as a benefit of faith. Since we've been justified by faith, we have confident, joyful hope. What's the focus of our confident, joyful hope? The scripture says we rejoice in hope of the glory of of God. The object of our hope, of our anticipation, of our expectation is the glory of God. We see that the glory of God is continually revealed in the heavens and earth. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. We see that the glory of God has uniquely been made manifest in Jesus, his son, the incarnate word. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as a one and only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. But the hope of this glory that Paul is directing us to is the hope, the expectation, the anticipation that one day the glory of God will be fully revealed as Jesus will appear in great power and glory. Titus 2.13 says that we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, our present reality is that because of our sin, we fall short of the glory of God. But we were created, as 1 Corinthians eleven seven says, in the image and glory of God. So at the blessed hope, at the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, all the redeemed will again in full measure share in this glory. It's actually called glorification in the Bible. Romans 8, 17 and 30 talk about this future reality with such certainty that though it is future, it's described as already accomplished. Verse 30 says, Those whom God predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. When his glory is revealed, we're not only going to see it, but we're going to be changed by it. Our glory will be a reflection of his glory. Our confident hope is in the certainty of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appearing at his second coming. 
One commentator wrote, because our human understanding is so imperfect, it's impossible for us to comprehend the wonder and the magnitude of the glory of God. Nevertheless, we have the Lord's own assurance that one day we will not only behold his divine glory, but will partake in it. The glory of his own divine holiness and majestic perfection will radiate in us and through us for all eternity. Oh, beloved, we have hope, real, substantive, confident, joyful hope. This world with all of its tribulations and troubles, this world with all of its stress and disappointments, this world with all of its sickness and loss, this world with all of its sin and wickedness, this world with all of its pain and challenges, folks, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. If you're a believer here today, you know what? This world is not your home. You're just a passing through. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, we've looked at three benefits this morning. Peace with God, access to God, standing in his grace, and the hope of the glory of God. So far, we've only looked at three. Next week, we'll look at the rest. But as you look at these three benefits, it really covers our whole experience of salvation. They relate to our past, our present, and our future. We have peace with God as a result of our justification in our past. We have access to God standing in his grace as a present privilege of our lives. And we rejoice in the hope of glory, the anticipation of our future eternal life. Peace with God takes care of the past. Access to God takes care of the present. Hope of the glory of God takes care of the future. Peace, access, grace, stand, hope, glory, Jesus. Can there be any greater benefits? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, now we come to you so thankful, so overwhelmed by the truth of your word and what it has taught us today since we've been justified by faith. We have. You have given us so much, and we've just touched a little bit of it. Peace and access and grace, hope. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. If you're here today and perhaps you're on the outside looking in and say, I've not been justified by faith. Well, today can be your day. Even right now you can pray. Even right now you can just lift up from your, from your own heart and your own words a cry to Jesus for salvation confessing him as your Lord and confessing your sin and admitting how you fall short and then believing in him and putting your trust in him and saying, Jesus, I'll follow you. My allegiance, my trust is to you. And now as we gather for communion, Lord, challenge us and encourage us today. In Jesus' name, amen.